What's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of the NBA show with Laura and Christina on the Laura Antonio Sports Talk Show. I'm your host, Laura Antonio. Today on our show, Christina and I are going to talk about games two and three, recaps of the NBA finals, and then preview tonight's game four and then game five on Monday. So how are you doing and how's your morning going? I'm doing good. And so far, my morning is going great. How about yourself? It's going well. So now let's uh, talk about Let's recap first games two and three of the NBA Finals. So the Raptors lost game two of this of this best of seven series against the Warriors. And then the Raptors were able to take advantage of the depleted Warriors team in game three. So what were your thoughts on those two these these last two games after last week we talked about game one? What are your thoughts on games two and three of the finals? Well, game two, you know, Raptors really struggled with in the third quarter. You know, they were just unable to really capitalize um, in the paint, you know, as well as um, their uh, rebounds as well. And I think that last quarter, they fought near the end. But, you know, their lack of defense, you know, throughout a little bit of um, the forty the 48 minutes, and especially during that last play when uh, Steph Curry assisted to Iguodala, and he put up the three to seal the Warriors taking that game. For game three, um... They really did good. They came out hungry. They came out strong. They fought through all four quarters. You know, they really made sure that they had a cushion, a gap. You know, a lot of the time it was between 12 points and 8 points in all quarters. I thought that, you know, Kawhi was very, very efficient. As well as, you know, Danny Green, you know, a.k.a. Money Green. He was firing from the three-point line. You know, they had other guys that stepped out. Of course, we have to mention Kyle Lowry. He did really, really well. You know, he was really um, dishing out the ball, making sure guys were getting um, plays on the floor, really involving everybody um, on the offensive side. Um, And I think also, too, even though the Warriors did lose that game, they did have a really good game that night as well. Steph Curry, phenomenal game he had. 47 points. Um, you know, but again, it just wasn't enough for them. But again, they did held hold um, Kawhi on the perimeter, which, you know, worked to their advantage, double teaming him. You know, he really struggled to get in the paint and draw the fla- draw the fouls, excuse me. You know, but for the rest of them, really, the rest of the crew just re- really wasn't there. You know, Draymond Green, he had some moments, but again, wasn't wasn't really there when it came to shooting. Um same with Iguodala, didn't really put up as high numbers. And again, because Clay Thompson wasn't on the court due to his hamstring strain, it, you really saw it affect um, the team despite um, Steph Curry's performance. Yeah, you're right. About about game three, you think with Clay Thompson out, that really affected the Warriors in a very uh, big way. Um, absolutely. You know, that's another guy that can get 50-plus points on the court. And I think in order to really win that game, they needed that because other guys just weren't really getting hot offensively. So now the Raptors have a commanding, have a slight 2-1 series lead, but now let's preview game four. So Thompson is expected to play, but no no KD for game four because he, tore his, he still tore his quad, but I don't know why the Warriors are still being very cautious with him. He should be playing by now. I mean, I agree. I mean, I understand... I agree with where you're thinking that, you know, Kevin Durant, one of their substantial players on the Warriors, should be making an appearance during these NBA finals. 
But I mean, I understand also the organization's decision and Kevin Durant's decision to, you know, still be resting. You know, a calf injury is something that it's one of those aggravating injuries. And with him pulling up and shooting threes, running um, um, back and forth on both ends of the court, you know, it's something that he can easily um, re-injure. And it's something that can just really annoy him, if you will, while playing, really aggravate him. So I think, um, I know that they're, you know, saying that he might come back for, for you know, game five, possibly, you know, um, game six. But from my personal standpoint, I don't see Kevin Durant um, coming back and making an appearance during this year's NBA Finals. So you don't see KD making making an appearance? I really don't. I mean, and he hasn't really officially been in practice too, which is a key factor, right? You know, make, getting that um, physical contact with guys, really preparing yourself for the game, not only physically, but mentally. And, you know, this is going to be his 10th game um, that he's missed um, with the game upcoming tonight. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit different coming back in when, you know, you guys, you were with the team and you had a great um, flow and now you're kind of getting back into things and especially getting back into things in the NBA finals. And as we can see, this is an extremely tough series or it looks like it's going to be an extremely tough series from here on out. It is going to be a tough series from what you said, but I think, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if KD doesn't even appear in the series just so that he rests the coin. Or maybe if there's a game seven, then I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he. Steve Kerr is being cautious with him for. Yeah, and I think rightfully so, they need to be cautious. And especially with him, you know, having free agency this season, we don't know if he's going to make the decision to stay with the Warriors or possibly go to the Knicks, which has been talked um, for him to be. Um, which has been mentioned that it's one of his interest teams to go to um, in the upcoming season. And I think it's just in his best interest to keep himself um, as healthy as possible despite his injury and really focus on this summer and coming back better and stronger for next season. Absolutely. So now let's talk about game five. So game five is back in Toronto. So I think for game four, I think the Warriors win this game. And then I think game five, it'll, be- it'll belong to Toronto. To have a game I six believe... back in uh, back in uh, Golden back in Oakland, I believe the same. Um, you know, Kelly Thompson. This is not going to be could... uh, what I was going to say before. What you were going to say is this series will not end in six because it's too good to end in six. Rightfully so, it is. I mean, people are still are underestimating Toronto's depth and their length and what they bring to the court and their versatility. And I think they're showing that time and time again throughout the playoffs and now in the finals. Um, But um, to the point that I was going to make is you could tell that Clay Thompson was itching to get back. You could tell that the guys also felt that they they were missing something on the floor. Despite his hamstring, again, another injury that is really iffy. Um, But, you know, he's hungry and he wants to support his team and they need it. And, he is going to be coming back um, or supposed to be coming back tonight on the floor. Um, so we'll see. But I definitely think the Warriors take the game tonight. I think they need to if they really want to be in this NBA Finals run. Because if they don't, you know, Raptors are going to go home 3-1. to one, And they're just one win away from the um, from claiming the NBA championship. So I have Rap- um, Warriors for um, um, this game tonight. And then I would say game five, um, Raptors are going to 
make sure they capitalize on being in, on their home court. Yeah, we want to make sure that the Raptors win the championship in, in Jurassic Park games in uh, in Game Seven. I think I think because because I think tonight I think I think Golden State wins this game because they got Clay Thompson back, and then I think Game Five will belong to Toronto since it's in Toronto. I would I agree. So now let's talk about some uh, other news around the, the NBA. So. Do you think the Lakers will trade the number four pick or keep it? And if it's kept, who do you think they pick? If the pick is kept, I think they they pick Cam Reddish. Why do you believe they should pick Cam Reddish if they're choosing to keep him? I mean, I've seen him play at Duke, and he is a good shooter. And I think he could really help with the Lakers' uh, problems at shooting. Okay. Because the Lakers need sharpshooters and some shooters that can shoot the three, shoot free throws, and defend the perimeter, which they've been lacking in that area. I understand and I agree with the points that you made. Um, However, for me, um, my pick, I I think this is going to be a great pick, whether they choose to keep him um, on the roster or if they're looking to trade – to get, you know, some experienced players and some really um, like an fantastic. AD? Exactly. Like some really fantastic um, candidates that are in the free agency this year. And my pick is DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Um, he won the ACC Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's 43.8% from the, um, from the three-point line. So, you know, he's not a bad shooter from the arc. As we know, Lakers are really struggling from that end. And because he won Defensive Player of the Year this year, as we know, with um, Lonzo Ball being out for a lot of the season this year, they were struggling defensively. And I believe that DeAndre Hunter can be that dog on defense and really help the guys on that side of the floor. Um, as we know that they tend to struggle with that, um, despite having um, some um, bigger guys um, on on the floor, on their roster, excuse me. Um, and I think that um, if you, just looking at the fact that he can, that he, you know, he can, um, um, really um, make some points um, from the three-point line and just, just being a great shooter as well. And the fact that, you know, you know, back to the basics basketball with defense, I think that um, the team like New Orleans Pelicans, if they were to trade um, AD to the Lakers, they're still going to get someone that has that height, that depth um, on both ends of the floor. He is 6'7", 225 pounds. So, you know, they're still, even though he's slightly under... AD's um, stature, they still have a strong candidate um, and someone that could be possibly a replacement and someone that maybe they could build around for their team um, in the future. But I think DeAndre Hunter is some, somebody that the Lakers really need to maybe Can he shoot at. threes, though? He can shoot threes. He's 43, 43.8% from the three-point line. Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- that's why I think the. That's I think the Lakers may need this this summer. They need shooters to surround LeBron James. Yeah, they do. And do, Hunter's um, field um, gold percentage is fifty fifty two percent. So you know that could definitely come up. But I mean, as long as there's potential there, and again, he also has that stature and um, the defense is something that the Lakers also need as well. So I think you're getting a two for one in him. All right, so now that being said, let's do a mock trade package that could send Anthony Davis to the Lakers. So if the Lakers get Anthony Davis, this is what I would propose. The Lakers get Anthony Davis, 
And the Pelicans get Mo Wagner, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and a 2019 first-round pick, fourth overall. We'll be in that deal. Okay, that's not bad. I kind of struggled with this one. Because um, you know but, the Pelicans could be asking for too much. Uh, they could. And the Lakers also could be willing to give up a lot as well, as we've seen um, throughout this season in the trade talks as well. Um, who did you have again for the younger guys that you chose? Uh, Josh Hart. And then, although I like Brandon Ingram, then I would have to include him in that deal with Josh Hart. Um, I, I, I like the package that you did as well. I mean, I definitely agree with that. With that, I didn't um, want to include, uh, I didn't want to include Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball in there because both of them are off limits in trade talks because I have not given up on Lonzo Ball since his rookie year. But what I think Lonzo Ball, I know that he needs to work on is his consistency. Absolutely. And, and Kuzma's off limits for sure, because He's going to be a star on this Laker team. I know it. I could feel it in his blood, you know? I think I think so, too. I think he has that grit that the Lakers need. And, again, I personally wouldn't um, put up Kuzma on the trading block. I would I would keep him. I think he's he's proved himself to be, you know, a potential shooter for the team and just an, a great overall um, overall player. Um, you know, because what I was that- saying previously was that, Ingram, Kuzma, Ball would be off limits in trade talks. But if you want to get Anthony Davis, you have to include one of them in there. But I just say Kuzma and uh, Kuzma and uh, and Ball are off limits in 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 those talks. I I agree. Um, I would I would keep the I would do the same thing with you. I'd keep the pick. I do have Brandon Ingram. Um, I also um, tossed in. Um, JaVale McGee, I don't think he's I, he's not bad, but I don't think he's someone that we necessarily, necessarily need to keep. And then um, we know also another guy that can bring in some experience, and he's going to be a free agent this summer, um, Lance Stevenson. I think Lance Stevenson will remain a Laker just because he is very, he's familiar with, Cranch, with uh, Frank Vogel's system. I think so too, but um, I just, I don't know. But here's the thing here. Um, If the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis and my, my, my mind is telling me this, they should also get Jimmy Butler if Josh Hart is traded to the Pelicans because if the Lakers sign Anthony, trade for Davis, sign Jimmy Butler, I think the lineup's going to look like this. Ball, Butler, LeBron, Kuz, and AD. I think Butler would be a great fit. You know, he has because I heard he wants to play in LA, and I, I I've always been a fan of Jimmy Butler and his game. Um, absolutely. You know, he he has the willingness to win. He's hungry for that, and I think that's great. And that's someone that um, any team needs to have on their roster. However, I disagree in the fact that Butler has made it clear that he believes, you know, he's that guy, and I think he wants to be the man. And I don't think Lakers is a team where he can do that. I think um, Clippers. Um, as a team where he can kind of step up into that leadership role and really be their key, their key guy. Um, so for me personally, I would say a step back from Butler. So you think a step back from Jimmy Butler joining the Lakers? Yes, I do. But I also think if the Lakers don't keep, don't trade for Davis, I, I also think 
that I have the lineup in two ways. Either Brandon Ingram's in the starting lineup or not because he's just coming off of blood clots. And I think the Lakers would want to ease his uh, playing time a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, definitely with him getting in the swing of things again, with missing so many games um, in the second half of the season. Um, yeah, I definitely can see that. For him to to just start the year, start the next season off the bench so that they ease his uh, playing time again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that they work him way back into being a starter again. Because I think uh, right now in my Lakers projected lineup for next season, I have Mo Wagner right now as my projected starting center. I think he's a great candidate um, for them. But but I'm just saying is that the the Lakers may or may not trade for Anthony Davis, but I'm just I just did a I just did a mock trade package just in case. And then I prepared a starting lineup just in case if uh if the Lakers don't trade for Anthony Davis and then I and then and then if the Lakers kept the pick, I have I have them targeting either Cam Reddish or Jarrett Culliver, two sh- sharp shooters from college. Yeah. Um, Jarrett Culver is really is a really um, another great candidate. He was also uh, one of the guys that I had for them to possibly pick up um, during this year's NBA draft. Um, a great shooter, like you said. Um, he has a really good stature. It's something that we need for the Lakers as well. Um, and I think he's a great candidate wherever he lands. But I think Lakers also should really keep an eye on on him as well and really weigh their options. I would love to see. The Lakers, um, the same roster, really fight it out and really prove people wrong next season. But like we see with so many teams, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on Toronto Raptors, sometimes you really got to just really clean. I don't want to say clean house necessarily because Raptors didn't do that, but you really got to shift things around and really make some controversial moves, if you will, if you want to make it um, into the playoffs and, and beyond that. And I think if the Lakers are really, really trying to turn around the franchise and be in the playoffs and potentially in the long run make it to the finals. I think that this is the perfect opportunity with them um, getting that. And I really hope whichever way they go, that they have a strong, strong um, game plan heading into next season. Yeah, absolutely. So now, with that being said, let's talk about now some some additions to the Lakers coaching staff and um, what was your reaction about Lionel Hollins joining the Lakers coaching staff under Frank Vogel because you already know Jason Kidd's already on the staff yes and what were your thoughts what what your thoughts on Lionel Hollins joining I thought it's a great pickup for the Lakers because you have two former head coaches under under Frank Vogel absolutely I think that's a great look in itself um I had to look back and see what Hollins has done over his career. He's the, he was, he the, was the all-time winningest head coach in Memphis Grizzlies history. Absolutely. And I have a big star here on my notes um, with that. You know, he had a 196-155 to 155 record. And I think he led them to the first playoff victory um, during, um, the 20, uh, during um, his time there. And I think... That show that speaks in itself. As we've been seeing now, Grizzlies are probably one of the worst teams in the league um, this year. So I think that's what they're looking at. Someone that can really take a franchise that, you know, was um, is overlooked, no one really cares about. And the fact that he was able to bring them to the playoffs and they're able to make a win in that, I think that shows what he can do um, 
with a diamond in the rough, if you will. And I think the Lakers are going to be that diamond in a rough team going into uh, the season next year. So I think that's great. Um, I'm not disappointed with, with him um, joining the coaching staff. I'm just really interested to see what he's going to bring to the table. I wonder if he's going to be an offensive-minded minded, uh, assistant coach or a defensive. Because I, I wonder what Frank Vogel's going to do. Is he going to focus on the offensive side of the ball or is he going to focus on defense? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what route he um, he chooses um, to go on with that. Because I Based heard he's a good how- defensive coach. And I could I could see that in the way he speaks and, and what he said in the press conference, I could see him being a really good defensive coach. Um, and I would just based off of Holland's record, I would like to see him really focus on the offensive side um, of the ball. Um, so it would be interesting to see how everyone works together and how they really mold a, a game plan for the team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm ex- I like Frank Vogel to be honest. I think Frank Vogel. Is uh, Frank Vogel is just a good, um, solid head coach. I thought he did a good job with the Pacers, but I think, and I think he didn't work out in Orlando because he he only had Aaron Gordon to coach down in Orlando. But I think with the Lakers, I think he's he'll do even better with the Lakers. I think so too. New opportunity, a new fresh look for the team from top to bottom. So I think it's I think it's going to be a great season for him. Um, of course, as we know, he wasn't my first choice. I wanted Ty Lue, seeing as you know he's worked with LeBron James and who is their star player and someone they're looking to build around. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see Vogel and LeBron's dynamic and how they work together. I think they're going to work well together, Frank Vogel and LeBron. Um, I think so. I think they just you know need to really understand each other's relationship and their give and take and um, how they're going to both really help these guys and bring them to the next level. Absolutely. And then another question I have for you about the Lakers is, do you think, you know, Brian Shaw knows Frank Vogel pretty well. Do you think, do you think Frank Vogel is going to retain, is going to retain him on his coaching staff? The only uh, one remaining on uh, Luke Walton's staff. Um, I could see it just to have that, you know, familiar, familiarity back in the in the franchise um but you never know um how things are going to work out um but i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't um, be disappointed um if if he was to come back absolutely well what could it be possible that brian shaw joins uh luke walton's staff in sacramento i mean that could be a very that could be a possibility as well because you know, I just saw on I just saw that uh, Luke Walton brought in one of his assistants from the Lakers to join him in Sacramento, and that's Jesse Marmus. So yeah, I mean um, Luke Walton definitely has that freedom and that right to choose as he pleases, and I think Shaw would be a great fit either way. With um, either joining Vogel or joining Luke Walton in Sacramento, because the reason why I say that is because you know Brian Shaw lives up in the Bay Area, and I think if he works with the Sacramento Kings he would be closer to home. Uh, absolutely. Since Brian Shaw has a home there. So either either way, either way um, would work out for him. Since you mentioned um, um, Sac- um, Luke Walton with the Sacramento Kings, I could see him maybe going to that direction, you know, getting a fresh start, um, um, really developing a team that already has the potential to do well in the Western Conference. 
But um, he's still – but I don't know if he's going to start the season on time because of his uh, investigation with the, sex, with the reporter, remember? Yes. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out um, with that and, and what, what the decision comes down to. I don't think the Kings are going to fire him for that. I think he'll probably get suspended for at least the first four to six games of the season and then make his coaching debut uh, later in the year. No, I mean his coaching debut after the first two weeks of the season of next season are in. I could see that. I mean, that's the most likely um, way that the NBA um, and the organization um, will probably handle the situation, um, despite um, everything that has gone on and the speculations that are out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he moves into a new organization with a, another team that's really fighting to make a name in the Western Conference and really show that, you know, they are a great team and have um, great players on it that can do great things. So what I found an article right here, it says um, Vlade Divac was telling the Sacramento Bee that we're taking this investigation seriously and we're trying to find out the truth. And he said uh, the investigator was contacted by the Kings in the NBA. It's independent. So until they finish, there's nothing to say there. And that Divots did did say that he is confident that Walton will be his coach when the season starts, which I, which that's expected. Absolutely, everything that is said is what what we expect to hear, and rightfully so. They need to go after the truth and really focus on the truth and make their decision based off the truth. Yeah, but right, but I don't know if if he's going to be suspended or not though from the NBA. I Who mean, it depends. Yes, I guess it depends if the truth um, is what um, the the reporter has has come and said that you know she was indeed a sex um, sexually assaulted um, by Luke Walton, and if that is the case, then unfortunately, um, uh, you know, consequences need to be made for for that type of behavior, that intolerable behavior. Yeah, it's with Kelly Tennant, and also. Um... It's, it says on the Sacramento uh, Sacramento Bee, it says that the Lakers and the Warriors in the NBA could be named defendants in this case. Wow. So that's what we know from now, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll find out more if uh, there's anything new that pops up. So do you think Jeff Hornacek could join Hollins and Kidd in Lakerland as part of the coaching staff that Frank Vogel's building? You know I'll who Jeff Hornacek is. Yes, I do. Because I'm hearing gonna... that he might join the coaching staff. Because Kurt Rambis was Kurt Rambis worked under Jeff Hornacek as an as an associate coach for the Warriors for the Knicks when Hornacek was the head coach, and bringing Hornacek to the Lakers could really help the Lakers in free throw shooting. Um, I think it's a little bit crowded, um, and personality wise, um. You know, he has a very strong personality, Jason Kidd as well. And I just don't know how that all of that is going gonna, is gonna to mix up. I think maybe too many cooks in the kitchen with that. So you don't think Jeff Hornacek will join the Lakers staff? I mean, it would be nice if he, if he did. You know, he has a strong personality, very, very great guy when it comes to coaching and all that. But I just don't know about, I don't know about um, it really working with, 
with Vogel and Kidd. And Hollands, too. And Hollands, yes. Excuse me as well. Yes, Hollands as well. Or maybe Frank Vogel could bring some of his people that he worked with in Orlando and Indiana. That I think that probably would be the better the better route, um, we'll, but we'll see. Yeah, because I wonder. I'm kind of interested to see who's going to be his uh, number one assistant on his staff for Frank Vogel. Could it be Hollins? I, could it be Kid? I think it's going to be Kid. I think that I think Rob Palenka. I think Jeannie Buss are leaning to more of um, of it being towards Jason Kid. So for me, my top candidate and what I think, who I think will be the top assistant coach would be Jason Kay. You mean the associate head coach or just Thank the, you. Yeah. or the lead assistant on the staff? I think, I think the lead would be Jason Kidd. Yeah, I think he could really work. His focus on this Laker team will focus on uh, working his um, point guards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He'll, he'll work on point guards, help Lonzo out. I think Lionel could really focus on uh, player development or maybe defense with Vogel. Yeah. So and even, even, even offense as well. Yeah. And then f- my final thoughts of the day is I'm looking forward to what, what game four brings tonight. I, I would agree with you. I'm excited to see how the Raptors play with Clay Thompson back in the roster. And I'm excited to see um, how, they, they finish out um, this NBA Finals. Absolutely. So I can't wait to talk to you next Friday and have a good weekend. Sounds good. Same to you.